You are about to listen to another episode of That Sports Guys podcast, hosted by Craig Forstall. Find Craig on Twitter at that underscore sports underscore guy. The That Sports Guys podcast is proudly featured by NFL Draft Diamonds, your draft coverage king. So sit back, relax, and enjoy some football talk. Hello and welcome back to another episode of That Sports Guys Podcast. I am Craig Forrestal. You may know me from Twitter as at that underscore sports underscore guy. And today I have a phenomenal episode planned for you, including an interview with Calvin Ashley. Calvin has made headlines recently as he is an offensive tackle who played at FAMU, but recently decided to opt out of the college football season and channel his focus towards the NFL Draft. We will get with Calvin coming up shortly, but first, I wanted to talk about the relationship between a scouting department and an NFL team and why that's going to be very important this upcoming season. Then after we address that, I want to move into some traits that I look for at various positions going through the scouting process. And then, like I said, we have a phenomenal interview with Calvin Ashley coming up offensive tackle that has recently decided to channel his efforts towards the NFL draft and opted out of the upcoming college football season. So let's talk about exactly that, the scouting and coaches and GM relationship. This season, because college conferences have canceled or shortened or delayed or postponed the upcoming college football season, it now leaves athletes in a position where they are without film. They will not get a chance to produce film from this upcoming season, which the most easy thing to see is year-over-year growth, right? Let's just focus on that component. So if you look at film from last year and then film from this year, you'd be able to say, oh yeah, this guy got better in these areas, or this guy didn't mature as I had hoped in these areas, But now, because some of these athletes will not have film from the upcoming season, it leaves us to go off of what we already have in those identified traits. So now, with those traits, those traits that come back are what lead an NFL scout to say, hey, this dude will be successful in our scheme, in our program, or what leads a scout to say, hey, you know what? maybe this guy doesn't exactly fit what we're looking for and we should keep our our search going. Scouts will need to know what a team is looking for physically and psychologically. So from the, the, the schematic point of view, what can a player do physically? If you're on a 3-4 defense and you're looking for a nose tackle, specifically what traits do you value for your nose tackle? What are the absolute must-haves for this position, right? What are the absolute must for a nose tackle in Baltimore in their 3-4 defense? And how is that going to change from a nose tackle that the Miami Dolphins are looking for, right? Or any other 3-4 defense. There's going to be variances across the board at end, at outside linebacker, at nose. Even though it's a scheme, schemes are going to be different based upon how the defensive coordinator wants to use his chess pieces, a.k.a. his defensive players. 
We've seen that the league has gone towards a more versatile approach. The more things you can do, the better off you are, is what it seems. So, knowing that physically and how it fits into the scheme is going to be crucial with NFL teams and specifically for scouts, but then also psychologically, when you bring a player into the locker room, are they going to be able to mesh with the veteran presence that's already established? And secondly, will they contribute to the culture of winning or will they contribute to creating a culture of winning? Two very important things with how they'll fit in the locker room and then how they'll buy into what the meat and potatoes of the organization are. Um, because the most important thing in the NFL is the W. You'll, you'll hear it. Go 1-0 this week. Just get the win this week. All we were focused on was beating whoever their opponent was. It's all about the win. And if you have someone that's going to come in and take away from the winning focus, that's not going to be an advantageous position for an organization because you know the old saying, one bad apple spoil the bunch. You don't want that one player to take away from the weekly focus of winning. So using those traits and understanding the organization is going to be crucial for upcoming evaluations and exactly what teams are going to do in the draft process will be something that I'm interested in seeing how that plays out, uh, especially with some of the conferences moving towards shortened, postponed, or canceled seasons. So definitely something for you to keep an eye on is just the relationship between the scouting department, NFL coaches, and GMs as we move from now closer to the draft and just listen for some rumblings on that. Now I want to jump into traits that I look for. We'll go ahead, we'll jump into quarterbacks because everybody loves a quarterback. They're the most talked about position in the game of football, and rightfully so. They touch the ball on just about every single play, unless it's a wildcat type of scenario. So, let's go through it. What do I look for? Poise, accuracy, mobility, and can they make all the throws in the playbook? Now, you'll see that I didn't put arm strength in there, right? To me, arm strength is making all the throws in the playbook, right? When I look at Patrick Mahomes, and he can throw the ball a field and a half, right? He is the exception to the rule. Mahomes came in, and he allowed Kansas City and Andy Reid to do things that they had only dreamt of previously. And so to use Patrick Mahomes as that metric of arm strength, it's not fair to literally everybody else because he is a generational type of talent. So for me, I look at, can you make all the throws in the playbook? If we go with a mesh concept, if we go scissors, um, whatever the passing concept is, can you hit the slants? Can you hit an out? Uh, What about that 15-yard comeback? Can you go back shoulder? These are all things that I look for. Because the situation that's going to come up where you got to throw the ball a field and a half in a Hail Mary situation doesn't pop up all that often. So while it's great to be able to throw the ball a country mile, it's not really going to pop up all too often throughout the natural sequence of a game. So that's why I look at can you make all the throws in the playbook as opposed to how far can you air that baby out. Let's move to mobility. Mobility to me is a little bit different, right? 
I'm not looking for that Lamar Jackson type of ability out of a quarterback. Now, if I have it, great. I'll use it. I'm not going to deny it. But you have to understand the skill sets of Mike Vick and Lamar Jackson and what could have possibly been with Robert Griffin III before injury don't come along all that often. So until the NFL makes a full commitment offensively to having more quarterbacks like Lamar Jackson, I'm not going to get too caught up in the guy being able to zig and zag 50, 60 yards through the defense and getting six points. What I'm more so focused on is, can you step up in the pocket? If you need a shuffle, slide, left, right, can you do it? If you've got to move and you've got to run, get outside on the edge, can you throw on the run? If you have to tuck and go, can you get me five, six yards, get out of bounds, slide, and avoid any unnecessary hits? Because if you're not that Lamar Jackson type, I don't need you doing things outside of your skill set. I understand the want and desire to win, but if you don't live to see the next day, you don't live to see the next play, what did you really do? Now we're going with the backup quarterback. So for me, mobility and awareness go hand in hand. And until the NFL goes more to that Lamar Jackson-based offense, then I'm not going to change my mobility metrics at this point. Accuracy? Now, accuracy to me, this is why you really need to watch film and why box score scouting can really hurt you, right? Box score scouting is when you pull up a player's stats and you say, oh, wow, he had a completion percentage of 58% this year. Well, my cutoff is 60. My cutoff is 65% completion percentage. He didn't make the cut. It's a very misleading number, and I'll give you two scenarios. If I drop back 20 times in a game, I throw the ball 20 times, and my accuracy is where I'm dead on every throw, smack the receiver right in the hands, right between the numbers, beautiful throws, literally beautiful throws, all 20, perfect throws, but I only complete eight passes because my wide receiver has hands like feet and drops everything, well, those eight completions is 40%. Am I inaccurate or do I just have wide receivers that aren't capable of making the play. On the flip, you may have a quarterback that has 65-70% completion percentage, but they have wide receivers that are acrobats and can make plays that other people can't. As long as you put the ball anywhere in the county, they'll go up and make the play. Now, that is a beautiful type of wide receiver to have if you're a quarterback to have that type of faith and to know that they'll be able to go up, get the ball, and bail you out of some sticky situations. But if you are off target and you are offline on those throws and you're forcing your playmakers to go up and make plays on every throw virtually, where is your accuracy? That leads me to believe that you have some issues that you need to clean up with in your accuracy department before I can feel better about you on a play-to-play basis of being able to deliver the ball where it needs to be. So that's why with accuracy, box score scouting can get very tricky, and it's important to look at ball placement, and very important 
to see what's going on around the quarterback from a playmaker standpoint when evaluating the accuracy. Also, poise. When your pants are on fire, how quickly can you put out the flames, right? What do you have going on around you as a leader of the offense, and how are you able to maintain calmness all around you and lead them down the field and score points? If you can't believe it, nobody else can, and that's what I'm looking for out of my quarterback. Like I said, we have a tremendous interview coming up with Calvin Ashley. So before we get into that, I want to talk a little bit about offensive line and traits that I look for. There are four big ones, agility, communication, hands, and bubble butt. So with a bubble butt, I'm looking for someone that has a thick lower half where you naturally blessed with tree trunk thighs and have you been hit in the squat rack. Because you can be an upper body bully all you want, But if you don't have anything that's being generated from your lower half, it's going to be an uphill battle. Being an upper body bully in the NFL doesn't really equate to long-term success. You need to have the full package. You need to be able to generate some stuff from down south once you get engaged up top with a couple of those other big guys in the NFL. So being able to have that full body package, upper body strength, lower body strength is huge. And I definitely love when I see a bubble butt and a thick lower half on an offensive lineman. Moving to hands, are they quick? Are they violent? Is there good placement? This is where you're able to see if someone has a wrestling background usually because they'll have quick hands. They're able to get in on their opponent. So violent, do they pack a good pop when they, when they make that content? Do they have strong hands? Do they have a good punch? And then their hand placement, like I said, are they able to get into position on the defender which allows them to take control of the defender and move them around to wherever it is that they want to take them. Because you'll see in wrestling a lot of times that the athletes, they're engaged in body-to-body combat, and what that leads them to do is move their hand placement, they get into a lot of hand fighting to try and get that leverage. So that's a good translatable skill that you will see with offensive and defensive linemen uh, when it comes to a wrestling background. Communication. Pre-snap, what do you see going on? How do you relay the information to those around you? Are you able to identify the right calls to put your team in a position that's better than when they broke the huddle? Because defenses will align. Defenses will move. Defenses will rotate. And what you called in the huddle and the original blocking scheme that you had set forth on that play, you may need to make a call where now all of a sudden you just formed a double team, right? It all depends on what the defensive look is and how quickly can you process that and relay that to the rest of the offensive lineman. And then agility. Are you a dancing bear or are you a phone booth fighter? Right? A dancing bear is someone that can stand on the outside, on the edge, that has enough lateral quickness and movement skills to be able to take on those athletic edge defenders and rushers one-on-one. They're able to cut off the positioning, have nice arm length, And they just literally can glide and they're smooth side to side. Or are you a phone booth fighter? Are you just someone that likes to get into tight spaces, engage, get on, and you're just a bully and you just fight and and you just tough and tussle people around and that's your thing. You're more of a gritty player, not a finesse player. So that's what I look for when I say dancing bear and phone booth fighter. Those are a couple things to look for at the offensive line and quarterback position. Stay tuned. Calvin Ashley coming back next.
Hello and welcome to another episode of Player Profile Interviews. Today we are lucky to have with us former FAMU offensive tackle Calvin Ashley. Calvin, what's going on? How you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. How about yourself? Hey man, I'm, I'm good. I'm excited. I'm happy to have you on. I'm excited to talk ball, but you're a fellow Floridian. I got to know, growing up in Orlando, the 407, everybody thinks Disney, but what's it really like? You know, you're right. Everybody does think about Disney World when it comes to Orlando. But what it's like growing up in Orlando, especially the west side of Orlando, you know, it's, it's much more different than Disney World. Disney World is out of Kissimmee area, but the Orlando area I grew up in is very gritty. You know, you, you, have, to, you have to really be from Orlando to know what you're dealing with. And I wanted to ask you about that because you committed early on in the process. You committed to right. Auburn. You were a five-star recruit. Just how difficult was that to have people in your ear saying, I think this is your best move or whatever the case might be, and school's trying to get you to flip? Right. You know, being a um, 14, 15, 16-year-old, you know, it, it was a lot. You know, that's when I had committed to Auburn. Committed all my um, sophomore year of high school. You know, it was a lot of people in my ear. I should go to this place, I should go to that place. It was just a lot to take in as a, a 15, 16 year old kid. You know, and I was just, I was just trying to keep it all balanced and try to listen to my parents, you know, of the right things to do. And it was just a lot, but I dealt with it. And then you spent time at Auburn, you were there for two seasons, and then you decided that you were going to transfer. And a major reason right. was so you could be closer to your wife and son was there was there one particular moment where you were just maybe sitting around in in your room or something getting off of a facetime you're like yeah that's it i i gotta be back home a very much particular moment Um, i was down at fau last summer and i was going back and forth from orlando to um to boca raton to um visit my wife and my son because that's where we're from and that's where they were at the moment you know, I was going back and forth to visit, and I realized at one point my son didn't recognize me. I had came from Boca to um, Orlando, and he, he was just crying like he didn't recognize me. You know, that that hurts a father. That hurts mm-hmm. a father, so I decided to make the decision to transfer from FAU to FAMU. And I wanted to ask you just how you were able to manage it all, because aside from you playing football and being in school, your right. wife, Zaria, was also taking classes at Florida State. You had to, you know, balance mm-hmm. parenthood, marriage, football, school, and everything else that comes with an adult. So what was the system that you two put in place, and how did you guys navigate those waters? You know, it wasn't easy at all. It wasn't easy at all. My wife, she'd have classes in the morning throughout the whole entire day, and I had practice, and my son had to go to daycare. You know, and being with a, being with a, a baby, like, zero to seven months during that time in the football season. You know, it was very difficult. It was very difficult, but we managed pretty well. We had strict, like, time management down. We had everything down packed, and it worked out really great. And, Calvin, I wanted to ask you if you could just describe the HBCU experience on and off the field, uh, because we hear so much about the culture and the campus life at the HBCU. So maybe if you could just Talk about that for a moment. Right. Definitely. The HBCU environment is definitely family, family environment. You know, it was definitely a culture shock when I came from a PWI to HBCU. I, I love it. I love it. I'm just going to say that. I love it. It's a family environment throughout the whole campus, football team, coaching staff, 
everybody is great food, great music during the game. That's what really like like changed everything for me. The in-game music, the band, the band is is top notch. Absolutely, and I won't even get into any speculation about who has the better band, Fam or Bethune. I'll, I'll leave that for the classics. <laughs> Definitely I'll the, Fam. I'll let the classics sort that one out. Now, yes, sir. Uh, now Calvin, I, I just want to ask you, as we started talking about the HBCUs, and you're a former five-star recruit, and right. we saw it in basketball, some major basketball recruits committed to the HBCU programs. Mm-hmm. How would you compare the level of play, the level of talent, from the HBCUs that you've played against in the MEAC to some of the other college programs you've been a part of? You know, definitely the athleticism part and the size, you know, I would say like it's pretty much the same besides the SEC. You're going to get more of your guys as my size. That's I believe that's the only um, downfall about it. But guys are going to be very much athletic. And I would say one thing, one other thing, the, um, the, the facilities are different. You know, the money is different. But in terms of comp- competition, it's all the same. And with that college experience that you've had, you've played for three very well-known coaches at Auburn, you were right. with Gus Malzahn, your time at FAU with Lane Kiffin, and now at FAM, you spent time with Willie Simmons. If you could just maybe talk about playing for those three guys and how you think that's helped you prepare for the upcoming draft process. Right. You know, like it, it has helped me prepare a lot. You know, it helped me out a lot throughout the years. You know, with Gus, he helped me a lot as becoming a man. You know, he he did a lot. He helped me a lot. You know, I was a younger Calvin going on to um, Coach Lane Kiflin. You know, I was down. I was going through a lot. I was going through depression. He helped me out a lot by that. Like one on one sessions. He helped me out a lot. Coming with Coach Simmons and um, at FAMU, like he helped me tremendously throughout the process I was going through there. With everything as to becoming more of a man, a father as well, because he is a um, parent himself. So just every different coach had their own way of helping me, and it, it definitely helped me as a man. And you've made the headlines recently because you elected to forego the remainder of your college eligibility and prepare right. for the draft, given the uncertainty of the college football season and if there might even be a spring season for you or not. How difficult was that choice for you to make, Calvin? You know, it was difficult. You know, going into the um, spring semester, spring football, COVID, COVID really took a turn for things. You know, going into the summer, it was very uncertain. So I've just been training, training, training until we got the, the news that we wasn't going to have a fall season. It, they might be pushing it back. You know, I was just sitting down thinking, talking to my family, you know, like, like yeah, I think it's time. I think it's time for me to to, to move on to move on out, out of the college and just train as a train to be professional, you know. So, basically, it was a hard decision, but ultimately, at the end of the day, you got to do what's best for you and your family. Definitely. And I want to stick there about the training aspect. Uh, right now, you're training in Tallahassee. You're at the right. Titus Human Performance Center. Um, right. What are those workouts looking like right now? You know, workouts, I go um, two-a-days, every day of the week. On um, Wednesday is my break days, rehab, therapy, do all that. So it's basically, it's been a grind, but I love it. And now, will you be focusing on combine prep, or position work, a combination of the two? Combination of the two, yes, sir. All right, and now we talked about the draft, so I've got to jump into it because I've seen your name floating around on some mock drafts on the internet, and I've right. seen you go anywhere from round two to round five when you see your name 
put into those mock drafts, what does that do for you? Do you put any stock into that, or is it just something cool to have your name thrown into? You know, it's definitely something cool to have your name thrown into. I'm not the type of person that pays attention to stuff like that. I never have been. I just focus on the controllables and let God handle the rest. And I wanted to ask you something else about those mock drafts, because on a couple of them, specifically one that I remember, I saw them have you listed as a guard. Have you ever taken any work at guard, or is that something that you will be incorporating as you prepare for the draft? Um, Definitely took a little bit of work at guard at Auburn. You know, guard is pass that and it's more easier. Run blocking, you know, it's more physical. I love that aspect. But naturally, I am a tackle, but, you know, when it comes to the league, it it, it, it doesn't matter. As long as I'm on that field playing, it doesn't matter. And now I wanted to ask you because – this was a big season for you to showcase additional film. And I want to know right. if you get an invite to the East West shrine game or the senior bowl, right. would you accept that offer? Would you go and play in the game? Most definitely. I would. I feel like I would want to do something like that and get more film out there, which will potentially help me during my draft stock. So I would definitely love to do that. And you touched on it a little bit earlier when you mentioned Lane Kiffin helping you through some personal matters at FAU and I've seen that mental health advocacy is big to you and it's special to me as well I lost my mother due to mental health complications and I myself have been diagnosed with uh, depression anxiety and uh, also bipolar so why is this so important to you Calvin you know, it's it's very important to me. You know, I've been dealing with it for a few years now, and I've I've seen it take the better the better the the ugly half of um people take people life. You know, had a friend who committed suicide back in high school. I've seen other athletes, you know, commit suicide, and like I just wanna wanna be a be a change and, and help like spread spread awareness to it and in helps of helping other people out. You know, like any any everybody. I would say everybody who's going through something that I'm going through and have been going through. Definitely. And there's sort of a stigma uh, around mental health when it comes to athletics. Have you seen that other players or even the coaches on staff, they've been supportive of you and the work that you're doing, or has it been a couple of roadblocks around along the way? You know, I've, I've, I have been getting definitely a lot of support with um, everything I've been going through. I would say that I have been getting support. Perfect. And now, Calvin, I wanted to go ahead and I wanted to hit you with a couple of surprise questions real quick <laughs> before we get out of here. So yeah, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to hit you with this one. The first one is this. You're stuck in an elevator and you're waiting to be rescued, but your phone works. <laughs> but your phone works. The only catch is it can only play one song and it can only open one app. What's that song? What's that app that's going to get you through? Oh, man. Uh, uh, There's one song my wife listened to. She, um, I, it's, I'm embarrassed to say it, but it's City Girls Act Up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to jam that song the whole time in the elevator. <laughs> All right. Now, what was the last TV show that you watched? The last TV show that I watched? Hmm. Right now, uh, the last, the 100. All right. Now, you were just awarded an NFL expansion team, and you can pick right. any current player in the NFL to build your team around. 
Who's that number one pick? That number one pick, I'm going to go with Tom Brady. You just won an all-expense paid vacation to anywhere in the world. Where are you going? Cobbles. Okay. Yes, sir. Now, what's the oddest thing that you do? For me, I rap in the shower, but I let the water be my beat. <laughs> so, so I'm rapping to the beat of water. That's the, that's the weirdest, oddest thing that yeah. I do. Man, I, I would say I would definitely say just singing and rapping in the shower, man. I think everybody does that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, perfect. So everybody, yes, everybody, that was our time with Calvin Ashley today. We got to spend some time, get to know him and his outlook for the 2021 NFL draft. Calvin, we wish you all the best. For Calvin Ashley, I am Craig Forrestal. Until next time, stay safe and be easy. Yes, sir. Hey everybody, Craig Forstall. Thanks for tuning in and listening to another episode of That Sports Guys podcast. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at that underscore sports underscore guy to catch all the latest updates and podcast episodes. Until next time, stay safe and be easy.